the real story behind TV's transformation and Amazon Go's private label. This is episode 77 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin and everywhere else to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. Tom, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Mark. I know. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great time to start the series all over again. We're now 70 on episode 77, and it seems like we're on episode 155. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, the real story behind TV's transformation. This is a piece from LinkedIn uh, that is more full of jargon than any piece I've ever read. Oh, it's a tough one. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to try and simplify this because I think there's some value here. I'm just I'm not so sure about the conclusions. Well, why don't you we'll start off that. by telling them what he means by TV because that's, <laughs> right? He doesn't well, what mean does ju- he mean by TV? He doesn't He's just kind mean of def- that box that we look at that we think no, no, of no. as TV. He's clearly talking about all those places you go to get moving picture content. Exactly. Whether it be over the top, uh, on air, uh, on whatever device you choose, etc. So here are the points. He says, what are the driving forces behind the media business transformation today, and what does it mean for the future of television? Three thoughts. Um, and you can help me understand some of these. One, <laughs> value is shifting from rights to distribution, bypassing infrastructure. The example he uses, Netflix's content production uh, budget is bigger than that of most traditional media companies across the globe, thanks to converting into a subscriber just this was an amazing statistic. One to five percent of each country's elite population. Now, by elite population, I assume they mean that portion of the population willing to spend the and money. able to <laughs> spend the money on Netflix. So, in other words, Netflix's achievement is a function of its ability to line up subscribers, which, of course, over-the-air television generally doesn't do. Right. Um, this notion of rights distribution and uh, rights infrastructure and distribution. I was puzzling over this a little bit because I was trying to understand some of these lines because they are fuzzy, right? They're shifting. They said video, and then he puts in parens TV, I don't know why he needs to do that, Mm -hmm. is shifting from linear channels to streaming and the economic value is shifting from rights to distribution, bypassing infrastructure. By infrastructure, he generally means, for example, your cable company. Right. Is that pretty much the best illustration of infrastructure, the, the guys who give you your um, internet access, the guys who give you your cable channels, your um, uh, multi uh, uh, cable channels, um, the guys who, uh, you know, the pipes. Yeah, right? which, which are not just the pipes anymore. That's what makes this, this thing so confusing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's, I think that that's, you know, when he starts talking about this thing shifting from here to there, the players... Are are getting into all of it now, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's part of the that's part of the issue with whether. So I don't really know that I believe that it's shifting from rights to distribution, because if it is right, so if the economic value shift, why would it be happening? So mm-hmm. a few reasons. One, there's so much good content, right? I mean, the, 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 the supply of content offerings, mm-hmm. that means the distributors, if they, ha- if they have the ability, they control the eyeballs. Mm-hmm. They have the negotiating advantage, mm-hmm. right? Because they control the limiting resource, which is attention, and there's abundance of content 
So therefore, does the economic value shift from the people making the content, the rights, to the people who are distributing the content? In that case, yes. But more importantly, mm -hmm. those eyeballs means having access to data. And he really didn't talk a lot about that. Right. Because that's the value beyond his average revenue per user. Mm -hmm. right? Because there's a big pie called TV advertising dollars that is mm -hmm. being sliced up and replated. And I mean, we're talking, I don't know, this year, probably $190 billion of TV advertising. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to be kind of intertwined with the internet, which I believe it's going, that's what's going to happen. This stuff's it's clearly just going to be mixed now. together, yeah. right? Clearly happening now, yeah. Well, the internet dollars are another 200 plus billion dollars. So all of well, that data that you have, well, if you're the distributor, that's what's giving you the economic value shift. But Tom, you're leaving out one element, and that is the element that seems to be the most appeal, the thing that's the driving force for Netflix right now, the reason why CBS has an over-the-top solution. I know, now the original content, is not, right? It's, no, 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 it's a subscription. Subscription. In other words, it's you and me paying directly and circumventing the advertising equation altogether. Oh, I get, listen, I understand that, but I don't know long-term what Netflix is doing because they've got data that they're not even telling anybody about. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put it past these guys someday to, be do, to do something with that data for advertisers and marketers. I believe that day is, is going to come. Well, that's an interesting question. I think that's so far out right now because their ability to ramp is still so great. Their ability to grow. Now, Amazon is another story. Right. But in terms of because they're so intertwined with commercial interests uh, across the entire platform. And in fact, the very definition of what it means to be a prime member is not I get, you know, proprietary <laughs> video. Yep. It's I get free shipping on, you know, books. Um, so it's a whole different equation. But I get your point. The other thing I think that's worth noting here is when you talk about uh, value shifting from rights and infrastructure to digital dis distribution, you got to recognize that a lot of the people in distribution are also rights holders and vice versa. Oh, I know. This is what I'm saying. It's all mixed up. Even the infrastructure guys are, are, are now the distributors, right? So Comcast is infrastructure. Comcast is distributor. Well, and isn't that why AT&T wants to own Time Warner? Exactly right. So they want they want to own the whole the whole thing the whole package. Yeah, it's not Time Warner Cable they're looking to own. It's the other Time Warner, the one that creates all the content. Exactly. Right? So his point number two is that uh, his point number one then is that uh, the, that even ISPs etc. Nobody wants to be a dumb pipe. Everyone's looking to supplement their uh, platform to get a larger share of average revenue per per user. However, that comes. Two is over the top. Uh, players have shifted to compete on original content. I mean, this is this is kind of one of these points that is like unnecessary to say because it's so utterly obvious. Yeah, We've all been watching this play out over the past couple of years, and all you have to do is watch the Golden Globes the other night, and you know, there's there's uh, Hulu with uh, Handmaid's Tale and so on, um, which is again a combination of rights and distribution, right? Exactly. I mean, this is this is like you said. This was like a why the hell wouldn't they do that? I mean, once you have the eyeballs. The next step is finding the content for those eyeballs. If you have the well, ability to create it, to have the rights and the distribution, 
if you, the, the higher margin and to be able to own the rights forever. I mean, Netflix is losing a lot of rights to these things that they negotiated. Well, net, well and we should say Netflix is surrendering those rights because Netflix is choosing not to pay whatever the inflated price is right. to secure those rights. Exactly. Instead saying, you know, we're, we're going to make our own because then we'll own that future forever. You and by it. the way, making our own means they are both rights holders and distributors, right? right? You got it. That's it. The other thing I think that's worth mentioning is, you know, if you're one of a growing kind of phalanx of over-the-top uh, distribution channels, and that's one of the points made in here is that, gosh, there's more and more and more of these things all the time, and, and that creates consumer confusion. Then the idea of creating a piece of original content which becomes a hit, which becomes attractive, which becomes awards-winning, um, that creates a big spotlight for your brand. And that spotlight carries with it prestige uh, among advertisers, prestige among consumers, and not the least of which would be prestige among the creative community, which you depend on to create those hits in the first place. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so that's what was playing out last night with Hulu, uh, which, you know, still doesn't have an enormous platform, but it does have The Handmaid's Tale, and they were very, very happy to see the awards that thing took at uh, Golden Globes. Um, his third point is, um, uh, let's see. Uh, I don't believe his third point. His third point, okay. <laughs> yes, I'm with you, by the way. Uh, audiences are growing frustrated with too many video content providers. Tom, <laughs> if there's too much stimuli, what do people tend to do? They focus in on the ones that they want. I mean, that's correct. They ignore all the noise, right? Exactly. So this no—that's like walking into a supermarket and saying, "Oh, there's too many things in here." I got to get no. out of here. Exactly. There's exact. Yeah, there's exactly <laughs> the right number of things in there, and you find what you want in the midst of all that chaos. So the, I agree with you completely that this is people kind of responding to the additional noise by expressing their dismay over the additional noise, but having nothing to do with actual frustration. That's exactly. It's right. as Cont and here's another of his points. Content discoverability seems only to be becoming a worse problem for consumers. Again, I think all those conversations about discoverability are a bunch of nonsense. If you want to know where Hulu is, or if you want to know where uh, Handmaid's Tale is, Google it. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> you can Google um, what are the top shows, most popular shows. And when they come back and you see it's a particular show that you can only get from a particular distributor then mm -hmm. it's up to you do you want do you want to pay x amount a month to get that show and whatever comes with it or not well and of course people say no i don't want to pay that extra amount i wanted to and of course people are always going to say that given a choice between paying more and paying less guess which people always choose exactly that's why it's all it's going to come down to just a la carte it has to if it keeps fragmenting like this that's well, that's why I think, by the way, that Amazon's solution is so interesting. As you know, Amazon has these quote-unquote channels yep. where they essentially take all these over-the-top um, uh, mini bundles and, 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 and lay them into the Amazon Prime platform and say, hey, you can have this one. You like Shudder? You can have Shudder for whatever, $2.99 a month. Yep. And that means all the Shudder 
movies and TV shows will be mixed in with all the other stuff you can see on Amazon Prime at no additional charge. You won't even know necessarily that it's a Shudder show, show unless you unsubscribe from Shudder. That's right. In which case, so that to me, and just recently uh, they announced the CBS Over the Top channel was going to be featured on Amazon. So that, the new Star Trek and so on, all of that stuff will be available for a few extra dollars a month through Amazon. How confusing is that? The answer is not at all, right? Like Amazon knows what they're doing. It's just about eyeballs for a reason. That's why we lead right into this next segment, right? <laughs> That's right. I want to make one last point on this. I want to read a summary and then we'll go into that. In summary, as television continues to evolve into online viewing, the shift of the value in the chain from rights to infrastructure to distribution is making media companies and broadband networks accelerate their investments in M&A activity. Yeah, predicting more M&A activity is not exactly, <laughs> you know, soothsaying. Um, to compete with Netflix and secure an industry leadership position in the future. Uh, this will accelerate the over-the-top services drive to compete on content exclusivity. I don't know how they could have any more pressure on that in the future than they do right now, which will in turn fuel content distribution fragmentation and, and make discoverability more of a problem than ever, to which I say, hasn't Amazon already figured out the solution to that problem? Yep, you're absolutely right. You're listening to Media Unplugged to Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Speaking of Amazon, Tom. Yes. In 2018, Amazon will turn to private label goods. That's a piece from our friends at Digiday. Now, <clears throat> everyone who uses Amazon knows that Amazon has this category of these things called Amazon basics, right? These staples that they do. But I don't think anybody really, too many people really know just how deep Amazon's roster of non-Amazon brands goes. There are at least 19 brands Amazon owns and doesn't operate under that brand name. You know, some names that you might recognize. They have a lingerie brand. They have a furniture brand now. Um, they're rolling out a private label sportswear brand. All of this, of course, you know, invisibly mixed yep. with all the other goodies there on Amazon because, of course, there's some uh, categories, some premium categories, uh, of, or I should say uh, uh, private label items that aren't interested in being on the Amazon platform. It's not good for them, they think, <laughs> to be on the Amazon platform. So Amazon's just simply going to route around them. Um, they own around 45 brands and about 15% of their private label sales, sales come from those. I found this to be really fascinating. Um, <laughs> their plan is to, of course, ramp up these private label brands uh, which is kind of the consumer equivalent of um, uh, uh, of proprietary programming on Hulu and Netflix, is it not? Oh, yeah. Look, this is really big. I don't think people realize what's going on here. It's hidden from them. And Amazon loves it to be hidden, right? Sure. I absolutely. know people who use Amazon's data, however they scrub it, they find mm -hmm. and knock off top sellers in different categories either mm -hmm. by selling in an equivalent you know an equivalent product basically for less money or some of them create like a more feature rich brand and they sell it for a, the same price or a small percentage increase i know people mm -hmm. doing that for mm -hmm. for a living mm. amazon they don't even, they just they have the data so they have what these people have but they can manipulate the search results and that's what I don't think people right. realize, right? Amazon can say, oh, somebody's searching for this. I can put something in their face that drives my brand. 
And that's one thing that these people can't do that Amazon can do. And for anyone who says, you know what, I don't want to own everything manufactured by Amazon. As this piece says, 2018 won't be about brand Amazon. It can be brand X owned by Amazon, and you won't even know. Oh, of course not. Unlike, unlike other retailers making moves into private label, Amazon has control of, as you put it, customer data. And because of its seemingly endless amounts of cash, it can withstand some profit loss in early months or even years. They, experts say 2017 set up just the beginning of Amazon's domination, changing from being less of a marketplace and into conducting more of a full assault to own every part of the retail experience. I think that's a little overheated because it's not <laughs> the retail experience. Mm. It's just all the stuff in your closet and all the stuff in your garage. And in your living <laughs> and, room. And all the stuff in your pocket and all the stuff in your living It's everything you own. Except your car. Well... And may, maybe that's coming. Look, that's got to be coming. The statement that one of these industry insiders made, who wanted to stay, you know, anonymous, you know, Amazon will never be Nike because it has the ability to own the lower price point in apparel and shoes and make a lot of money that way. Well, I'm going to tell you that is either bullshit denial, a lack of imagination, or a combination. Because, mm -hmm. listen, I'll give you a hypothetical. Stick with me. So Amazon goes out and they produce an original movie. And let's say it's a comedy with some millennial celebrity. I mean, a top millennial celebrity. And as part of the deal, this millennial celebrity wears an Amazon private labeled brand. And as part mm -hmm. of the deal, they promote it on their social channels. Now, mm -hmm. let's say the movie takes off. Watch and see how popular that particular brand becomes. And it has nothing to do with, oh, this is a budget brand. It's like Walmart, but online. No, that's mm -hmm. absolutely crazy. They can create and sell luxury brands too. Of course they can. Why not? I, what, why not? <laughs> it's a, an interesting. The situation you just, just described, for all I know, has occurred. I mean, they've got, for example, the comedy movie The Big Sick is one of theirs. Kamanan Johnny is the star of that movie, and uh, he's going to be at an award ceremony later this week that I'm going to be at. And you know what, Tom? I'm going to ask him. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm going to ask him about that very scenario and see what he says about that. I will report back to you. Listen, this is all the stuff that we talk about that's behind the curtain. We just don't see it. So people think, oh, well, it will never happen. It's not happening. It's happening. You know, the other thing I think that's objectionable about the criticism of their ability to do this with premium price brands is people forget what some of the brands are they own. I mean, I know, for example, they own Zappos. Now, exactly. Zappos doesn't have a discount bone in its body, right? Nope. It's powered by service. It's not powered by discounts. <laughs> yeah. That, see, this is what people are missing with Amazon. It's kind of like the, uh, the closing statement. The, the, some guy says, Amazon private label is tiny, maybe a few billion. I mean, that's tiny. <laughs> but, but, but this is what people miss. Amazon is not a shark. You know, they're not looking to bite someone's leg off. The, the, Amazon is like a shifting school of piranha. They want to nibble people to death. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're just looking for stuff to kind of nibble it to death without you knowing it. <laughs> 
The other thing I think is interesting about that, I mean, again, the, 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 the basics line of Amazon's is intended to be, you know, kind of a white label thing. Yep. But if you've ordered any of the Amazon basics items, I know I have, they all work great. Oh, yeah. I have yet to have a problem with anything I've gotten uh, from Amazon uh, that has its own brand on it. And I just think that's, you know, people forget the power of products that are actually good um, that, uh, you know, whether or not they're expensive uh, or not. Listen, they they launched a vitamin brand. Mm-hmm. And they only right now have like three or four different types. And I can't remember exactly what the brand name is, but they had like a certain brand or vitamin on sale. And they said, hey, try this, Amazon Prime member. Save X amount of dollars, and here's a coupon. So you go out, and you try it, and it shows up, and it's good, and you realize you're paying less money than you do at, you know, at Walmart or wherever you get your vitamins. And all they're going to do is, if that test works, blow it out into all of the top vitamins. Why not? I think one of the challenges they're still going to have going forward is that when it comes to the entertainment portion of their portfolio, you know, with what because Prime still doesn't mean Tom, you know, great movies and television. Yeah, they've got some good. <laughs> it shows. just doesn't. Got- they, it just doesn't mean that. I know they have some good stuff, but it just doesn't mean that. And they've still got some challenges going forward. I mean, you go through that Prime stuff, and you know, it's, there's a there's a whole lot of dreck in there mixed in with uh, <laughs> Men in the High Castle. I got you. Anyway, it's time for rants and raves. That means me, huh? Well, I'll give it a shot. All right. So I've got a rant. It's it's kind of a. I think it's educational, but it's it's confusing to me. So yesterday. I'm watching the political shows on network TV. You know, the talking heads all sensationalizing, you know, things like Trump, North Korean nukes, the Iranian protests, the freezing bomb cyclone. That's an interesting metaphor, the bomb cyclone. And I do that because, you know, I like to get pissed off and frightened on, you know, Sunday morning, you know, nice, relaxing Mm -hmm. Sunday morning. Anyway, I'm watching all this stuff. I see an ad on TV for guess what? A podcast. What? Oh. Okay. Have you ever seen an ad on TV for a podcast? No. Where was this thing uh-huh. you saw? See? Now you're perking up. Because, see, this is another one of my strange pastimes is to deconstruct these things that I see. So it was a local Boston ad with two old white guys, and they're promoting. Now, this is, again, a television ad promoting a podcast. So I don't know what the media world's come to. But they're promoting a podcast called Name Brands. And it's promoted as a discussion of brands and business. So I'm going to try to deconstruct this with you for a minute. So first of all, if I wasn't interested in the business of brands and the business of podcasting, that ad would never have gone into even one of my ears. Forget about going out the other one, right? So I'm saying I'm the only guy in the the area probably that's even paying attention to this. So I'm not really sure who they are, what they're trying to get listeners, you know, who's the listener of this podcast? So I say, okay, I'm going to dig into this. So the hosts promote the podcast. Now, these two guys, they're Boston-based brand strategist is one guy, and Mm -hmm. the CEO of Legal Seafoods, which is a Boston-based restaurant group. That's the other guy. And 
they appear to be, you know, genuinely nice guys, you know, no-nonsense Boston guys, kind of like somebody you know. So I, anyway, <laughs> I go to iTunes because that's what it says on the TV ad, iTunes. Yeah. I search, I find the podcast, I click on it, and I find one episode. That's it. And huh. it's an hour long. And it's a conversation with Joseph Abood, another old Boston white guy, and he's a successful mm -hmm. menswear fashion designer. Okay, so mm -hmm. I said, okay, I got to listen to this and see what this is about. I'm listening. I, I, <laughs> I made it for most of the conversation, which was all about menswear and fashion designer Joseph Abood, and every once in a while, how good the legal seafood restaurant is and things like that, right? Mm. I, I can't understand this. So I go searching the internet to dig a bit deeper because this can't be a serious podcast business venture, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Because they're not, how are they adding value to listeners' lives to, in growing mm -hmm. an audience? So anyway, I Google. Wait, wait, are you saying that's what we need to do? I, I thought that that's what everybody <laughs> was trying to do. But anyway, wait, wait, let me make a note about that. At the end of this, you can tell me what these guys are doing. So I Google. I Google this name, brand, name Brands podcast. I put it into Google. It brings back the iTunes link and mm -hmm. a Twitter link. These are the top results. So I, quick on, I click on the Twitter link. I find 14 followers and mm -hmm. five tweets. Now, <laughs> one of the promotional mm -hmm. tweets has a link. The link is boston.cbs.com. Mm -hmm. So I click on that link. It takes me to the CBS television affiliate station in Boston that ran the ad that I saw. Oh, no. In a page titled uh, uh, Audio with the name Brands Podcast as the only thing listed on the page. Now, listen, okay. listen, listen to me. I have nothing against trying new things. You know that. I'm a big believer in it. But what the hell is this all about? To me, it looked like ads selling ads, selling ads, selling ads. <laughs> it's like it's it's turtles all the way down. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. That's so sad. What is that? what so, is it? That's so all I it, saw was ads. So everywhere. in other words, it, yeah, it was. You don't even know. You don't even know who the end client is there because everyone seems to be trading money with everyone else and the only person lost in the equation is presumably the person at the end of the entertainment experience who's being asked to this watch or I'm listen saying. so the brand the brand strategist he's getting some promotion the seafood guy he's getting promotion cbs is getting promotion the menswear <laughs> guy he's getting promotion and the listeners going what the hell is this <laughs> i love that i think that's one of my favorite ones you've ever done well, look it up and see if, oh, and see wow. if you can see That's it. That's great. Name brands. <laughs> I, why do I have a feeling we'll be hearing about that one? Oh, I hope they don't do that because I eat uh, at Legal Seafoods. It's actually a very good restaurant. <laughs> yes. Well, now, and how much did they pay for that? <laughs> all right. So I've got a few for you, and uh, they're, they're all kind of above average. So uh, I'm not saving the best <laughs> one for last You're in this case. Too. So here's the first one. And I, you may have heard of this. Facebook stops putting disputed flags on fake news because it doesn't work. Have you heard of this? No. You know, that was the thing. They were going to say, well, this, you know, we're concerned about so-called fake news because we, we, you know, it may not be true. People will believe it. So we're going to put a disputed flag on it. I mean, who's and that disputing? will caution Facebook? people. 
Facebook says this may not be right. Okay. So get this. So there are red flags next to the fake news articles that say disputed, I guess. <laughs> so to indicate fake news. So why are they taking them out? Because they did some academic research and it, and it showed that the flags don't work. And in fact, they often have the reverse effect of making people want to click more. <laughs> <laughs> so the more you say something may not be true, the more interested I am to consume that something. And I think this is so interesting because we see this play out everywhere, Tom. I, know. I mean, what makes a movie worth watching? Well, the conflict, right? right. Uh, we seek out conflict everywhere. Why do we watch these, you know, uh, uh, these uh, uh, game shows? Because someone wins, someone loses. There's conflict. Uh, why do we watch the cooking shows? Because there's conflict, right. right? Will they get the dish out? Why do we watch the Housewives of Orange County? Why do we care about what's on the president's Twitter feed? Um, why do we watch uh, uh, the cable news networks for battling talking heads instead of presumably for the actual news? It just is so interesting to me that here's yet another way where we are our own worst enemy. And we say we want one thing, but our behavior as ever proves something quite different. <laughs> so that's number one. Number two is, you may have heard of this, but Jack in the Box uh, has teamed up with Snoop Dogg on a new promotion oh, boy. in California. Have you heard of this one? I don't one? know. Go ahead. Well, you know, California now, um, <laughs> recreational marijuana is now legal in, in California for, since for the beginning of January. For a while, until the feds roll for, <laughs> well, Let's see. <laughs> so uh, stock up now, kids. Exactly. So, um, so there's a promotion that Jack in the Box has done uh, in association with Mary Jane, the digital media platform co-founded by uh, Snoop Dogg, to create what they call the Mary Munchie Meal. Oh, God. <laughs> now, this is going to be available only in Long Beach. I have no idea why. But customers can enjoy two tacos, three chicken strips, a half portion of curly fries, and a half portion of onion rings, five mini churros, and a small drink, all for the price of, guess? I, I don't know. Guess the price. I, I, oh, come on, Tom. I, I must be. 420. Oh, no. The 420 thing again. <laughs> Plus tax. <laughs> now, the final one I have for you is um, you've heard of this movie on Netflix called Bright? I haven't seen it. The re reviews are funny. The, the critical reviews are, like, terrible, but people yeah. seem to like the thing. Isn't that interesting how that works? Yeah, Bright is the movie uh, from David Ayer, uh, featuring, uh, starring Will Smith. Um, my wife and I saw it the other night. It wasn't bad. It was kind of, you know, if you recognize that this is just sitting on your television waiting to be viewed at no additional charge, that's a tremendous value proposition. Anytime someone spends $90 million so that I can watch it for next to nothing, <laughs> I call that a bargain. So this is Netflix's big foray in a tentpole filmmaking, and I think the theater complexes are firing up their PR departments to, to nix this thing because, yes, the reviews were awful, and I think this shows both, A, how inept the theater uh, uh, PR departments are, and, B, how uh, innocuous uh, and uh, irrelevant the critical voice is because, um, yes, it was panned, but it's the number one movie on Netflix in over 190 companies, uh, countries, rather, and it's being streamed more by international users even than by domestic users. According to Nielsen, and this is Nielsen who has incomplete data on this, an average of 11 million U.S. Netflix users streamed Bright during its first three days of release. That's during its first three days of release, Tom. Uh. I see no reason why Bright 
should slow down over time the way the average theatrical blockbuster does because Bright is always available, you know, at your thumb, whereas movies come and go and into cineplexes and, you know, it's the, those, those, those spaces on those big screens are scarce. So uh, not only is it an underestimation um, uh, based on Nielsen's data, but Nielsen only takes a look at users who watch the film through a television, not those who stream on a computer or a mobile device. So all of those viewers are lost. So it's 11 million three days television only to say nothing of the other days that have been since those three and the other channels. So it's just an astounding hit. They've already announced a sequel. And I say more power to them yeah. because uh, it's just more proof that, you know, again, big data knows more. <laughs> no, I mean, this, than, this, is the, this is the power of rights plus distribution. Rights plus distribution is the key. That's You're absolutely it. right. All right, that's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher. Uh, and while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks Absolutely. discover us. Put Come a on. flag on rate it. The Put show. a flag that says it's fake news so it goes up. I think that's a good idea. For those of you who've been <laughs> listening for a while, come on. What harm? Take the moment to go to exactly. Apple Podcasts and just give it a rating. Tweet the president. He's having a fake news award show. Maybe we'll make that's it on That's right. That. Maybe we could. You can also catch us at art19.com, Radio Inc., Media Village, and Google Play Music. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Hey, feel free to send us your questions and comments. Just use hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media, media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. Catch up on the older episodes at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. And special thanks, as always, to the super producer of Media Unplugged, Mr. Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. And he ain't kidding. Happy New Year, you can Jeff. Find, <laughs> Happy New Year, Jeff. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For Tom Asecker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening. <laughs>